0: This is Ruth Haley Barton, and you are listening to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And this is the first week of Lent. And this season, I'm here once again with my good friend Steve Wayne, senior pastor of Genesis in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we're here to talk specifically about Lent for leaders, being with God in the wilderness. And we're going to use as the overarching biblical narrative for this season Luke 4. Uh, 1 through 13, which does give ourselves the structure for the season of Lent. Lent is all about being with Jesus in the wilderness and what Jesus' journey was like in the wilderness. And so we're going to just stick with this gospel reading for the whole season, and we'll look at some of the other scriptures, too, that the lectionary serves up for us in cycle C. But we want to stay with Jesus and with God in the wilderness as leaders and Reflect on how we can fashion our own wilderness this season, how we can seek God and return to God during this season, um, how we can experience self-examination about our own temptations in the wilderness, Uh, think about some practices that might correspond to those temptations, and certainly by the end of the season, we're hoping and praying that we will also be strengthened as Jesus was in his wilderness journey. We're going to begin, Steve's going to read for us the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13.
1: Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time.
0: This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Mm. Well, thank you, Steve, for that beautiful reading. And one of the things that strikes me every time we read this passage is that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he was actually led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And of course, we know that this is following right after his baptism in the Jordan River and right after the voice of God has been heard from heaven saying, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. And this just gives me pause every time I read it, because the Holy Spirit could have led him out to some sort of a celebratory party, right? Yes. (laughs) But instead, he gets led into the wilderness, and I just find that to be so fascinating and instructive. So why do you think the Spirit does that?
1: I I think it's fascinating, too. And it's fascinating that some Gospels include it and some Gospels don't. That always makes me want to have a big conversation. Mm You know, but I think there are times, I, I undoubtedly, in my own life where I feel like I've been led by the mm-hmm. Spirit into a hiddenness, into a time of confusion and darkness. And I don't, you know, I think sometimes we, we do tend to think that God will only bring bright, shiny <laughs> blessings. But of course, that's not the case because God wants us to be transformed day by day and moment by moment, more and more. Into who we really are, and we need the wilderness in order to discover that, and we need we need a different liminal space. So it doesn't surprise me that he's led mm-hmm. by the Spirit into, into yeah. the wilderness for those very reasons. I, I I think it brings up lots of conversations about you know God is with us in the difficult times, and God does not necessarily prevent us from experiencing difficult times, and that's a word, that's a real word right there. I think.
0: Well, and and I wonder if the timing of it also indicates the importance for the leader of being purified, you know, at the level of motive that even Jesus in his human experience, it wasn't a party that he needed next. It was this purification. Um, Even though he was sinless, he needed purification. So how much more do the rest of us need real purification of our motives? And so part of what happens in the wilderness then for Jesus as a person who is getting to, ready to go out and be a leader was that he needed to be purified on some levels. Or we might say in the classic Christian tradition, a period of purgation. Yeah, yeah. When he was being stripped, from, stripped of that which was false so that what's pure and true could emerge I always find that extremely instructive. And we know that Jesus was in a weakened state and that the evil one does what the evil one often does. And that is lie in wait for the moment when we are weak. He doesn't come at us when we're strong. He waits until we are weak. And so when Jesus was weak from not having eaten for 40 days, that's when the evil one brings three specific temptations. And many of us listening are aware of Henry Nouwen's interpretation and application of these temptations. And he talks about three particular temptations that seem to be the kind of temptations that leaders routinely experience. So the first one was the temptation to be relevant to make bread out of stones, in other words, to pr- try to provide just what everybody thinks they really want on the surface. So to be relevant, which I think is a great temptation yeah. of ours today. We'll talk about that, won't we, Steve? Oh yeah. And then the second one is that this, there's this temptation to be spectacular. Saint shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says that he can give him all the kingdoms of the world if Jesus will just worship him. So there's this temptation to be spectacular and then the temptation to be powerful, to cast yourself down and show, show that you are the son of God, do something spectacular to show who you are. And I just feel like that is so relevant as well right now. So, you know, we don't need to go deeply into all of the temptations, but I am reminded of how many of our own situations could offer up this particular kind of temptation, the temptation to be relevant right now. How would that how would that show itself do you think Steve right now in in the particular time that we're in as leaders?
1: Well, I'll answer that, but I also want to note that, you know, in his weakened state he was tempted. And I think so many of us right now as leaders can identify with that. Like mm-hmm. feeling hardly any of us are at the top of our game right now. Hardly any of us feel like we're just killing it at life mm-hmm. and in ministry. And so I think many of us can identify right away. In our weakened state, what are our temptations? But mm-hmm. So I think there's a real powerful resonance that many of us are feeling mm-hmm. if we really take a look at it and really believe, really believe yeah. that the human being that was Jesus in the wilderness really was weak and really was vulnerable to these temptations. Doesn't mean he was mm-hmm. sinful, but it does mean that he was human. And so we can hopefully breathe in and breathe out mm-hmm. and go, wow, we, we have... We really do have a person in the Christ who gets it and gets mm-hmm. even right now where we're at. Yeah. But I, I look, you know, we're, we're talking right now at the, at the two year mark of a, of a pandemic, mm-hmm. which doesn't want to end. And I think to be relevant means I'm going to lead two different congregations in my own congregation, mm-hmm. a virtual yep. one online and an in-person one. And, and, mm-hmm there are people that are fighting with each other about whether Mm -hmm. or not we should all be in person or all be online or wear masks or not wear masks. And there's certain needs that are just crying out to be met that I personally am feeling like there's no possible way that I can meet them. But the temptation Mm -hmm. is to think we can pivot real. And even, even the word pivot is like a a four letter word to pastors right now. Mm -hmm. So tired of pivoting. So I, I think to be relevant right now is to fall prey to the lie. And I'll say it that you can nail uh, this ministry in this day and age, both online and virtual with people that um, have vastly different needs and vastly different expectations. I, I don't know that it's a winnable scenario, but if we believe we can just make it happen, um, boy that I think that's the temptation to turn mm-hmm. stones into bread. I don't think it can right. be done, Ruth. I don't
0: Well I agree and I thought about this temptation all the way through the period of time where we were discerning and doing some things virtually and some things hybrid. we spent lots of money um, making things available in a hybrid fashion and in a virtual fashion. We, we do retreats. we do in-person retreats you know yeah. uh, you're a pastor and you do in-person worship services and you know we did quote pivot spent a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources doing things that we had never done before. We even had to hire additional staff to do it yeah, and things like that. And I, this temptation was in the back of my mind the whole way along. Like, am I, are we doing this to serve or are we doing this to be relevant in this particular, are we, are we failing to accept the situation that we're in? And I, and I don't even have an answer to that even now. I'm proud of what we did. Proud that we kept our transforming communities going. But I also found myself doing things that I never in my wildest imaginations ever thought I would do. Sitting in front of cameras and microphones and things like that to do this very intimate thing I'm used to doing almost knee to knee, to, knee with people. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it was a question. It was a question at the time. And what what I am fearful about now as well is that once people get used to the fact that these things can be offered in that way, now people want to stay home and do things that never should have been done virtually. Now they want to do it forever virtually. And they say they go to church, but the church is in another state, but because they can attend and watch the sermon, they say they're going to church there. You know, all sorts of things that have happened where maybe the choices that we made were helpful. Maybe they weren't, maybe they were both. It's hard to know, isn't it? Um, But this temptation is really relevant to this, you know, pardon the pun, is really relevant to our situation right now. And that is, you know, how far do we go with relevancy and is relevancy even what we're called
1: to? I like what you said, Ruth. Did we do the right thing? Not the right thing. Who knows? Maybe we'll never Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. The broader point though, is I think, can we recognize the ways in which during this season or another season we've expanded what we could actually, what we really could can do from our truest Mm -hmm. selves and we've made it so wide and shallow that we're trying to offer ourselves as all things to all people in a way that's really harming our souls and even maybe not very helpful to the people that we're trying to love and serve. And it's not done out of some bad, evil motivation. It's done out of the motivation to be as helpful and loving as you can.
0: Well, and to stay faithful to one's calling in the midst of a situation that makes it almost impossible, you know? Yes,
1: but Mm -hmm. to the degree that If you look inside yourself right now and go, I feel a a mile wide and an inch deep, and I've been trying to do so many things in so many different ways, and I don't feel good about any of them, it's probably an invitation to stop, you know, and just at least wonder with a few others, is this sustainable? Because at the end of the day, if it's not sustainable for you and your life, then It's not good. It's not Tov, you know, the Hebrew word for good, which is used in the book of Genesis over and over and over again. This flourishing, it's not flourishing. And if we're not flourishing, then we're probably in, at the end of the day, going to be way more, we're going to fall prey to more and more temptations to be more and more relevant and powerful and spectacular in ways that will end up burned out and crispy and not no good to anyone, especially our own souls. So boy, that was kind of a rant a little bit, but I, Mm -hmm. I feel it, you know, I feel it for me. I'm talking to me right now.
0: Well, this is the real stuff of it right now for pastors and leaders is part of our exhaustion is how hard we have worked to try to remain relevant in a time when it became almost impossible. Yes. Um, And I think it's, I think it's really healthy and good for us to acknowledge this is a source of our exhaustion right now. And now that, you know, The crisis isn't completely over. We know that we're still in the midst of it in some ways, but we have at least found ways to navigate with more people being vaccinated and things like that. The numbers are going down. But to stop at some point and say, just because we did that and it was relevant back then when nobody could leave their houses, does that mean we need to still keep doing it now? Can we stop for a minute in this Lenten season? And I think that's part of what I want to use the season for. Yeah. Is for us to get some quiet and to get with God and to say, okay, we we knew we needed to do that back then, but do we need to keep doing it that way? Um, and is this temptation to be relevant and to continue to be, quote, relevant in all the ways everybody else is being relevant, is that driving us to levels of exhaustion that we cannot sustain? Those are the kinds of thoughts and reflections I hope we can have during some quiet in this season which does lead me to this practice that we wanted to identify in this episode. We want to identify a temptation in each episode, and then a practice that might help us to move through the temptation and say no to it. And the temptation, you know, to be relevant, to be spectacular, to show ourselves powerful, like, you know, we can we can do this thing. We can still impose our, our power and our control and our will on things that are so challenging and difficult. And we've worn ourselves out. Could Lent be a season for some hiddenness where we just stop that kind of thing for a while? Yep. We just stop trying to be so spectacular and power up on things and give ourselves a little rest, a little time to be with God and God alone. And I think hiddenness, and I, I, I would like to take a few minutes to talk about hiddenness with you, Steve, because we've talked about it before. Yeah, There was another podcast uh, episode where we talked about hiddenness when you were feeling called into a season of hiddenness. But one of the things that I'm aware of is that it seems like, you know, the continuing development of how we're using our technologies plus COVID, where the only way we could do anything was through our technologies, has actually made us more and more out there living more and more of our lives in public way more connected to all the social media, social media platforms and they're in selling ourselves, you know, online and all that sort of thing. I feel like there needs to be a brand new and refreshed call to the practice of hiddenness, which is really another way of talking about wilderness, you know, and and now and talks about the fact that we have to fashion our own wilderness. We don't, most of us are not going to go to a real wilderness, a real desert right now but that we have to fashion something like a wilderness inside of ourselves. And how do we do that for the season of Lent? How do we fashion our own wilderness for the season of Lent through hiddenness?
1: Yeah. Well, and it strikes me that you probably won't (laughs) unless you feel a sense of desperation big enough so that Mm -hmm. you really need it. And I want to name Mm -hmm. that out loud. like. This is not a a checklist of, well, better do that because it's like, you know, right now, even in the few minutes that we've been talking, if you're in this place where you're exhausted and you're, you're really, you really are exhausted from trying to do it all at all times. And so to fashion your own wilderness needs to come out of a place of desire. I I Mm -hmm. think that's important. Like if you're right now going, yes, oh, I need to carve out space to be with God and with God alone, for God's sake and for my own soul's sake. That's important to name, don't you think, Ruth? Like mm-hmm. it has to be desire. It has to. Be I think it has place. to be
0: desperation. I yes. think it has to be desire yeah. that is deepened into desperation. You already used that word, and I feel that inside myself, you've got to want it really badly because social media and technology in particular have such a hold on us now. You have to be pretty desperate, you know, to let go of some of that and to drop into a more hidden place so that God can speak versus being pulled and pushed and torn by, you know, everything that's going on out there and all the different opinions about everything. You have to want it pretty badly and maybe even be desperate, as you said.
1: So I think given that, I think the first step is identifying, because the wilderness was leaving something and going to the wilderness. And so what is it that you're actively leaving? And it's probably not like your job right now. (laughs) You know, it's probably, it could be, but it's, but it, but it might be, you know, leaving, spending time on social media. It might be like for me, when I talked about it in a couple of seasons ago, I was very, I, it was it was very apparent to me that I needed to put away the microphone, so to speak. Now i kept I yeah. kept preaching to my congregation, but it was mm-hmm. like my podcasting, my writing, all that stuff had to stop. And I, it wasn't even like I missed it or felt like, oh, it's this big sacrifice. But I knew I needed to 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 leave that. I needed to leave my public facing self so that I could and, and hide in the normal, ordinary life that I had, which was full enough anyway, but by the way, but so, so I think identifying, taking some time, what is it that I even feel called to and drawn to leave right now for the sake of my own soul? What is that for you? This is probably not a relationship, you know, maybe it is if it's toxic or unhealthy, but it's probably a, a pattern of behaving that is just too much that doesn't allow you to be with God alone. So when you've identified that, then it's following the spirit into the wilderness. And that's a liminal space, I think. Uh, Right, Ruth? What do you think are, are the steps we need to take to walk into the wilderness?
0: Well, I think there has to be a little bit more quiet where we're not so pushed and pulled yep. by the voices that are speaking all sorts of different things to us. And I think, this, you know, the shorter periods of time that we're able to get daily, which was to our encouragement at the beginning of this whole season, was to say, can you identify a space where you can have more space and more quiet with God, to hear God's voice to you versus all the voices that are clamoring for your attention. And one set of voices is all the expectations, right? Yes. There's a set of of expectations, especially for people who are in leadership. There's always opinions and always expectations um, on the leader about what they should be doing right now. And so to have clear space when you're not listening to those expectations, but you're listening more deeply, to the presence of God deep within speaking to you about your calling. And then you emerge from that place. And with confidence and grace, you hold the line, you know, you hold the line to what you're hearing from God, not what the expectations of culture are saying to you. And there is no other way except through the practice of silence, solitude, hiddenness, all words to talk about, the wilderness, you know, being Mm -hmm. with God and God alone. The wilderness by definition is the place where we are with God and God alone and where we let other sets of expectations and voices, you know, and stimulation and distraction all of that fall away so that we can hear something truer. So I just feel like at the beginning of Lent here, if if we could just do that, um, you know, one of the things that I'm becoming even more disciplined about is even what I do with my Sabbath. And so I was mm-hmm. wondering if maybe we could even see our Sabbath practice as a time of unplugging. That could be another way to say, I'm going to unplug completely on the Sabbath and I'm going to sink and settle and be hidden and quiet with God. You know, that once I discharge my responsibilities on Sunday morning, then then I'm done. I'm I'm dropping out of sight for 24 hours. And it includes not being on our technologies where we're not allowing ourselves to be stimulated and drawn in and pulled in by another kind of distraction.
1: Ruth, I'm so glad you mentioned our Sabbath practices. I've noticed in my own life since the pandemic, but I mm-hmm. bet it's true for a lot of people. I bet our Sabbath rhythms have really gotten blurry and slushy.
0: I agree. You know, yeah. because
1: it's mm-hmm. there's something about your home more, you know, we've been home more during the pandemic, mm-hmm. so it's so we've taken little breaks here and there, maybe some of us have adopted some napio divina you know um in, in the <laughs> afternoon uh it's so, which is very
0: <laughs> appropriate on the sabbath It is,
1: <laughs> but i wonder if that's that's allowed us to be less boundaried i know it has for mm-hmm. me and so to yeah. to get firm again and no when my duties are done at sunday mm-hmm. at about 12 30 or 1 24 hours i'm not on i'm not i'm not available I'm not available. Right. My phone is not on. But I, well, I'm not available to my email and my work. I am available to God, to my to my partner, to my to my kids. Not everyone has kids, but yeah, that's so good. Oh. Yeah.
0: I'm just looking for the spots and the spaces where it might work naturally for us to say, "I'm going to be more disciplined in my practice of hiddenness," mm-hmm. because I think I think also with with the encroachment of technology it is even harder to have any clear headspace maybe you might be alone with yourself but you're still scrolling and you're still on your apps and you're still going through instagram and you're still available to people by text and there's just no time when you're giving your full and undivided attention to god and to what the soul needs and if lent is anything it is the invitation to this kind of space, this kind of wilderness space with God. And I wonder if we did become more disciplined about creating our own wilderness, fashioning our own wilderness through Lent, I wonder what kinds of things we'd be hearing from
1: God by the end. Whew! <laughs> you know? Well, and I, yes, I wonder, and it takes time Yeah, and mm-hmm. connected to that is sometimes when, when we say we need to shut out the voice of culture, like we think, the evil voice of culture. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's as as a if you're a pastor right now, you need to shut out the voices of other pastors who are saying, Here's what really worked for me. Here's what really oh, worked for my church. Here, here's what oh. here's the latest thing that and you know, you know what it feels like when even if it's a good idea, you're just like, mm-hmm. That is so exhausting. Or why didn't I think <laughs> of that? <laughs> right, right. Or yeah, you, <laughs> you get envious, like, oh, that's such a great idea. I can't copy that, but yeah. I want to, or you know, but but like resisting anything. And let me just say that there is a time to really learn from other people and collaborate. Mm -hmm. Of course there is. Is there anything wrong with doing that? Not at Mm -hmm. all. It's good. It's healthy. Let me say that. That's a big time clarification. And there's a time when you're in the wilderness with God alone, that God wants to tell you (laughs) what is right for you and your community and your nonprofit and your church and there is a time where that's what's needed. And maybe that's the moment in your life right now, listener. Listener, I got so meta right now. Um, but no, maybe if you're listening right now, maybe that's where you're at. And if, if, you're, if, you're, if that shimmered for you, follow that. Follow that. Uh, and follow this, this season of Lent into the wilderness so that you can hear what God has for you and for your community. This is a big moment.
0: Yeah, I think I believe that it is and to have permission and then maybe even in our congregations to slow down just a little bit for this period of time versus kicking up into a brand new gear. I got to do this fabulous thing for my people for Lent, maybe creating some more space and less activity in our churches and congregations could be an important practice as well so that we can all together, be in in the wilderness, listening to God, you know, yeah. more intent more intently. So, you know, there's another scripture in this week's lineup of scriptures for the first week cycle C, it's Psalm 91. And it, this, this passage actually really reminds me that in order to do what we're talking about, we have to actually trust God with ourselves. <laughs> we have to trust that God's going to do the work that needs to be done in our lives. If we're doing what he's inviting us to do. And that is to enter into this hidden place. And so here's the promise from Psalm 91, which is one of our lectionary readings this week. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. You don't need to find your own salvation. You know, stop and trust and you'll see my salvation. Amen. Psalm 91.
1: It's pretty good stuff right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is when you said you don't need to fashion your own salvation. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, there was something in me just in that moment where I my shoulders dropped and it was like I think I spent a lot of time trying to fashion my own salvation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think I do. And that happens in a lot of ways, you know? What if God could really be trusted to save us from that which we need saving? Mm-hmm yeah oh that's just good news see that's what i mean like at some point we need to follow the invitations that feel like good news and that's yeah i you know agree. Oh, maybe that's yeah. this the invitation for lent
0: let's hear this is the invitation to be in that wilderness space trusting in god for our salvation mm. amen Well, during Advent, we offered some Lectio Divina experiences with some of the key scriptures throughout that time. And we'd like to do the same thing for all of you, especially with this Luke 4 passage. If you would like to hear Lexio Divina exercise utilizing the Luke 4 passage that we've been working with today, go on over to Patreon. You can find the link in our show notes and you can access... Alexio Divina experience with Luke 4 so that you can hear what God might have to say to you directly and personally through this great scripture. We're making this first Lexio Divina experience available to everyone, whether or not you're a patron. Well, because we've been talking about Henry now, and let me just close with some of his words about fashioning our own desert. And this is from The Way of the Heart, his book, The Way of the Heart. We have to fashion our own desert where we can withdraw every day, shake off our compulsions, and dwell in the gentle healing presence of our Lord. Without such a desert, we will lose our own soul while preaching the gospel to others. But with such a spiritual abode, we will become increasingly conformed to him in whose name we minister. This wilderness is the place of purification and transformation, the place of the great struggle and the great encounter. Solitude is not simply a means to an end. Solitude is its own end. It is the place where Christ remodels us into his own image and frees us from the victimizing compulsions of the world. Solitude is the place of our salvation let it be so. Let's all get saved this season. Amen.